Hi, this is John Walton, voice of the Washington Capitals, and you're listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Okay, so what's interesting about our topic today, and hello, friends. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's Mike, hi. Um, but I've also got um, our one of our GGR editor-in-chiefs, uh, extraordinaire, um, but also a podcast host as well. Uh, you might know her from such podcasts as FedCon, Federation Conversations. Her name is Mariah Beachford. Hello. We've got Mariah on today. <laughs> We're gonna be talking about Stranger Things and specifically season four. But one of the things that I just dug into and realized is in the seven years, it'll be eight years and actually a couple couple days, um, in the eight years of existence of GGR, we have not touched Stranger Things at all. And I don't know why. And that's so strange for lack of a better term. Like- Yeah, because, because I, we love like the people all of us love the 80s and all of us love geeky things and it seems to be like a celebration of all things geeky from the 80s in addition to being horror so that's right up our alley and i guess maybe it has to do with when it comes out or the fact that it's just new it's not a an expanded universe tacked onto something else like star wars or star trek what's interesting though is it's been around it's actually existed for six years now like it's in its fourth season but it's been on the air for six years and that's crazy. And like, I think it's one of those things where it just, we just happened to miss it for various reasons. We just didn't discuss it for whatever reason it may be. Um, I mean, I've watched every season. I've enjoyed every season. Um, I just don't know why it never came up, but we're here to rectify that today. So we're we gonna are talking, here, yes. Yes, we're gonna be talking season four. I think we may end up, if this goes well, maybe we'll go back and watch the other seasons and discuss those as well. Because um, yes. I now have an itch after watching season four to go back and watch season one, season two, and season three again. So I might, I might do that. Well, yeah, because okay, spoiler alert, right? Spoilers. Yes, please. Abound. Let's be clear. Yes, spoilers abound for our discussion today. Okay, so when you talked to me about doing this podcast, I went back because one of my questions was about how Eleven actually escaped in the first place because season four she's mentally going back in time to when she was at the facility and i was like wait a second was she when she did we get to really see how she left yeah. um and i don't think we did because i was going back to, they have a great fandom wiki page for stranger things and they describe right. everything just like anything there's a wiki for it right yeah. and they describe all of the different episodes and from what i could see there's not a a real clear picture of how she escaped except that the thingy got loose and was killing all the peoples and that's how she made it out right yeah yeah the, I, I think so season one i think it was the demogorgon cover. yes yeah and yeah so the thingy doing, i called it the thingy thing, <laughs> the, thing, the thing with the flower thing is going out of its face yeah, <laughs> in retrospect like i i really feel like this story has not like it hasn't been linear really at all because it's it's told like a certain linear story and then frame story style it goes back and it tells little bits and pieces here and then it goes and tells little bits and pieces there so i mean it's it's fine it's fun storytelling but i think now that we're going to in the reason why we're recording this now is because the second part of season one is coming out on the first of july so we'll be back with another episode to discuss that 
but like yeah, Dave and I were pissed. We realized we had watched all of the the first half of the season that was out. And we really, we went into our media room and we're sitting down with popcorn and we turned everything on we got our surround speakers and we realized we had fucking watched the last episode that was available. And there's this like moment of just pure deflation, realizing we had to wait. It was depressing. It's not just you. That was me and Sandy as well. Like I, I was like, all right, well, when I come home, uh, like this, you know, like after work, we'll watch the other two episodes and we'll finish it up. And like, we got to a point and then I got home and I was like, look, I looked it up on Wikipedia today and we've watched all of them. She was like, son of a bitch. Like <laughs> we were both like really bummed. And like, we're going to jump into this when we start like the official, cause right now we're just chit-chatting a little bit about it. Um, but we're going to talk about this season in particular, season four, because it has been like, in my opinion, like so far, one of the best. I've really enjoyed this season. Um, and we'll get into all the details about that. But um, I did, we do these cold opens as we do to kind of introduce things to get ourselves warmed up for the show. So you're gonna get a sweet intro with some creepy 80s-esque music. Um, so stay tuned for Mike and Mariah talking Stranger Things season four. You're listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Don't be a juice bag. Welcome to, I'm not really sure what this is. I know it's a GGR pirate radio thing. It's Mike Lunsford. Hi, I'm the editor-in-chief of our website. It's greatgeekrefuge.com. Check it out. Lots of great articles. Lots of wonderful podcasts that you can check out. We're talking Stranger Things season four. Be warned, listeners, there will be spoilers. So if you have not watched it um, and you want this to be a surprise, please watch first and then listen to our beautiful and insightful commentary afterward. Joining me for this podcast, I have uh, one of the editors at The Great Geek Refuge. She's also a podcast host. Her show is called FedCon. Federation Conversations is all about Star Trek. It features myself, actually. I'm one of the guests on there continually. We also have Mr. BJ Robinson. Her name is Mariah Beachboard. Hey, everybody. So let's jump right into this. I want to start with... I don't want to say disappointment. Disappointment's the wrong word. You want to start with disappointment or whatever. You want to start with a negative feeling? Yes. What's going on, that Mike? It turns into a positive feeling. Okay. So when I hear about season four of Stranger Things, my response was, meh, who cares? Whatever. I, I, eh, I'm just not excited. Like, <laughs> why should I be? Who cares? And I realized why. When Stranger Things first came on the air six years ago, it was one of the first streaming series that grabbed everybody. Like just grabbed them by the face, both hands and like looked them in the eye. And when like, you're watching this show, you're gonna binge it and there's nothing you can do about it. Just order food right now because like, you're not gonna wanna get up and cook. Just watch all of this show cause it's gonna be captivating. And the whole world fell in love with this show, fell in love with these kids that were just like super plucky and fun and adventurous. And it was, it, it had this awesome like retro vibe but it wasn't doing that thing where nostalgia 
often does where it's like, hey, remember the 80s and then that's it. It doesn't actually like feel like that thing. This does. This feels like it, it was a Steven Spielberg, Stephen King mashup of this adventure action horror thing. And all of the characters are true to that aesthetic. Like you've got like the the douchey pretty boy um, villain. Um, you've got like these kids that like just the parents just pay no attention to who just ride their bikes everywhere, which makes That's zero the eighties. Yeah, it was the eighties exactly. But one of the things that I loved about it is they mashed up a lot of like contemporary things because like instead of the villain just being a douchey villain and that's it, they made him learn something. Like for everybody who ha- doesn't remember, he's now a hero. But in season in the beginning of season one, Steve was a villain. Like he started off as as a villain, so there was a really nice character arc there. But I say all of this because I think that I got suckered in to not being excited about this show because in the six years since it premiered, so many other shows have come out. So many other things have come out. And I just, it's true. Like, I forgot about stranger things. I was just like, eh, who cares? You know, there's star Wars. Obi-Wan's coming out. I'll watch that. I'm excited about that. That's going to be dope. And I just completely forgot about stranger things. And then my wife and I begrudgingly accepted that we needed to watch this show because we were like, well, Grudging, we've begrudgingly. Watched. Oh yeah. Because we were like, we were like, well, we watched the first three seasons. I feel like we have to watch season four. <laughs> I guess let's watch it. And then we start it and we're like, fuck, this is so good. And like, by the end of it, we were both just like addicted. We were like, this is why we love this show. This is why we're back in for this. And we both were like doing that thing. You know how, you know how when a show is really good, you start formulating what's going to happen next with your oh, yeah. another or whoever you're watching with. You're like, oh, I bet you this is going to happen. That's when I know something's good. And that's exactly what happened to it. So I apologize, Stranger Things, for the shit that I talked about your show and my lacking enthusiasm because season four was dope. There's my monologue to begin the show. Mariah, I pass the microphone to you. Give me kind of your thoughts about this. Have you been like a fan of this since the beginning? Did you come into it recently? Like where where are you at with this? Yeah, so we watched it from the beginning just because it's got that I think it was just the font of the title that pulled me in because it looks so much like a Stephen King novel. So I was like, well, I'm obligated out of joy and appreciation to watch this. Um, And we loved it because of all the things you said, you know, the 80s fandom, but also just such a compelling and different story and fantastic villains and monsters, um, enough sci-fi stuff that I was just, I was totally hooked. And I never went through the phase of meh, meh, but I can see how a lot of people were because of the timing of the different series. They they lost momentum, I think, because it was such a long time between the seasons. But we jumped right in. Um, actually, no, that's not exactly true. My son, whose space I use, yeah. um, that is not mine. That's that's all him. Um, <laughs> he watched the entire series or a season in one night with all of his buddies and he said it's amazing it's fantastic when are you watching it when are you watching it and that's how he gets if something's really good he hounds us until we watch it um he didn't have to hound us very very hard but we started watching it uh we had to go to bed because we had work the next morning it was very upsetting because we just wanted to binge the whole thing but uh i think this may be the best season yeah, I, I I tend to agree. Um, they get to capitalize on all of the work they've done in all the other yeah. seasons. Yeah. And I think that's such a luxurious place to be for a story. 
And they're really capitalizing on that. Oh yeah. It's taking all of the things that we've seen up to this point and it's literally like paying off a lot of them. And that's, I mean, good storytelling does. And that's just fantastic. Um, I wanted to start with where we're at with this season and how I wanted to get your gauge on this because season four starts off pretty intense and so much so that they had to put a disclaimer at the beginning of it because of the awful timing of what happened in the real world in relation to what happened in the show. So if you're remind me because, because I, I don't No, you're fine. I don't remember that. That's what I'm here for. (laughs) Um, So the show starts with Eleven walking through the facility and there are countless dead children twisted and maimed in horrific ways. Right. And after the shootings that happened, um, that was a little on the nose for a lot of people, I think. Um, And I think that was a lot, but like, it was one of those things where I saw the disclaimer and I was like, ooh, wonder what this is going to (laughs) be. Like, and my interest was peaked. I was like, ooh, they're going to do some really gruesome stuff. And then I saw it and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. that's that's pretty rough. Um, as you watch the season, it makes more sense. And it's not as jarring, but it's I could see where that would be really, really rough for people to watch. Yeah. Um, so if you're dealing with PTSD regarding current events, wait a little bit. Yeah, for sure. And like they they did the um, the Duffer brothers were cognizant of this and they said, look, like understand that we've filmed this almost two years ago. So this was not something that was like happening around us when we did this. So, I mean, I, I, I appreciate that they clarified that, but like, I also wanted to point out too, that you mentioned, and I mentioned this, that there was such a gap between season three and season four, that it totally makes sense why there was one, the pandemic two, every single episode was like an hour and a half long. Yes, it was a lot of content, dude. And like, I think in grand total, these last two episodes that, cause the, the last part of season one is only two episodes, but they're both like two hours long. So like, this is going to be like a massive story that they're telling. I mean, like, I don't have the cumulative totals, but like, that's a lot of content and it hasn't felt like it's, it's dragged at any points. I don't, at least I feel. No. I'm actually looking it up right now as we talk. I want to see what the total runtime is for this. There were a lot of special effects in this one too. I, I feel like more so than some of the others, perhaps, especially with the aging, de-aging CGI. Oh yeah. So those nine episodes totaled roughly 13 hours of upside down goodness. Better yet, the final two episodes of volume two clocking at nearly four hours long. For the real geeks out there, episode uh, 407 is one hour and 38 minutes. Episode 408 is around one hour and 25 minutes and 409 is almost two and a half hours like 13 hours of content like wow i'm very excited about that because they're like movies you know oh yeah like that last one is that's an epic movie but like that was so let's we'll start in order and kind of work our way through um all right and i want to kind of get your your vibe on this as well um as you're watching this transpire and you see this character fekna uh, as the the kids affer- uh, affectionately refer to him as um First off, absolutely horrific. Just one of the most horrific villains they've had. Like, I think to this point, he is the scariest I've seen. Really? Yes. Um, Because I noticed it early that his powers, because like at one point they show him 
like filtering through to the other side because he's in the upside down. They show him filtering through to the to the other world. And like, he's telepathically looking for people. And I was like, oh, like Eleven used to do when she was in that saltwater bath and she was, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, I can't think of it. Oh no, <laughs> this makes for great radio. Um, <laughs> she's like, why can't I? Telepathically. Like, like telepathically, but um, astral projection. There it is. Nice job. When she's using astral projection, that's what it looked like. And I was like, Ooh, I wonder if this dude Vecna is the yin to Eleven's yang. And I was like, that would be crazy if he's literally the counterbalance, you know, to go all Star Wars on it. He's the dark side to her light side. And like, I was like, Ooh, this is, this is going to be good. And that's what I first thought he was, was like, it was literally like the upside down because the upside down is like this dark flipped version of our world. It was their answer to Eleven. And I was like, this is really, really pretty cool. And like, as it kept going on, like the guy was just frightening because there was no way out. Cause like once that clock started ticking for the most part, as far as we knew you were toast, man. And we saw that poor cheerleader get turned inside out in a horrific way. And like, yeah. Yeah. And then I'm trying to remember who the second victim was. Um, the the fellow reporter kid. Oh yeah. Oh that, yeah. That was so sad. I liked that. It was. Yeah. It, it was um, really sad. And then it was one of the basketball players. Yeah, because they were looking for the um, the heavy metal kid, like the guy who runs the D&D club. Um, yeah, and it was just th- these horrific murders, more or less. And like, just no, like no empathy whatsoever. And like, you're seeing, seeing this happen. And it's just like, this is a bad dude. Because all the other things that had happened were like, yeah, this is pretty rough, man. Like, oh man, Barb, Barb got toasted. That sucks. But like, these were gruesome. It, it's, I think this is the goriest season they've had by far. See, he didn't scare me as much of, as much as like the mind flare and some of the other ones, I think yeah. because, because they had more of a Cthulhu feel. Vecna has an ego you can bargain with, which they seem to be doing. Like, he doesn't, although I have to say like the, the visions and stuff, I, I think they downplayed him a little bit, the horror, because at the very beginning when he's attacking the cheerleader, he's like, now you don't have to suffer anymore. I was like, oh, that's nice. Literally, that's what I, I thought to myself. Oh, that's this kind as he kills her. That was my thought process. Why? I don't know. I was tired that day. So he didn't scare me as much, but he's certainly very interesting because yeah. of his ego and everything else. Yeah. What, what yeah. I thought was, I mean, then I to a certain point I can see that the thing that got me and why it's so scary to me is, is there's a predator vibe going on here where he's preying on people with trauma. And I'm like, Ooh, that is dark. That is really, really dark. Let me find these people who already are having a rough time who have had to deal with awful things and let me torture them in their last moments before I turn them inside out and rip their eyes out. Like Jesus, like, whew, man, that's a very flashy way to kill. Oh yeah. But it also makes sense with what we find out about this character as well. Um, I, th- I think the, um, the beginning of the series does a really good job of just like roping you in. And like, that's what this series across the board, all seasons have done. You watch the first episode and you're like, yeah, we'll see how it goes. You know, maybe I'm interested, maybe I'm not. And then you watch one episode and you're like, oh, okay, let's watch episode two. Like it, they're very, very good about building tension and drama and like keeping you interested in this 
Agreed. 100%. Yeah. I, I can't stop thinking about the show. So they've done a good job. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Like, it's, Can we talk about the, the roller rink? Please, let's do. Go ahead. Because I lived in Dale City for many, many years. And do you remember, Mike Lunsford, the roller rink? I think it was over by Garfield High School. Yes, I do. It was right there and it on looked, the corner of, uh, it was Smoketown and what is now Prince William Parkway. Yeah. Yeah. And it looked almost identical yeah. to what they showed, complete with vending machines and and the creepy back corner where employees only were allowed. And and it was amazing. It was I completely think, amazing. They they say that you can't smell TV, but I could smell that roller <laughs> rink. Like as soon as they showed it, I was like, yep, it smells like feet and Cheetos. Yep. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> and that carpet that was not quite carpet it was like yeah. felt it was a layer of felt yeah. on the floor right cheap, and it retained carpet. A, yeah. and it, like a pattern that was it was a pattern on the floor that you yeah. can't find anywhere else except for in the 80s oh yeah yeah it was like um geometry on a black background and the, all of the geometric Geometric shapes were brightly. Anyway, very specific flashback memories to the roller rink on Smoketown. Thank you, Stranger Things. This, and and just to kind of catch you up story-wise with this. Um, so um, we have Winona Ryder and her kids. So the whole Byers clan has moved to California and they've taken Eleven with them because fortunately at the end of season three, um hopper has disappeared um we assume that he blew up and saving them all and saving all of the all of hawkins um and we'll get to that in just a second too but she's now in high school and she's having a rough time and like i felt so bad for her because this poor girl never had a chance like she had no normal life like no normal childhood and like they just throw her into regular classes with other people her age. I'm like, she didn't go to school at all. Like that just, but what was, what's funny about this is watching this and seeing this and thinking this poor girl needs specialized attention and then realizing, no, this is accurate because this is the way the eighties would have treated it. Exactly. And the teacher would have allowed everyone to make fun of her for doing a project it was um, your hero. You're supposed to pick a, a hero in history and other people are like, I don't know, uh, yeah. Harriet Tubman or, or some other, you know, generic famous people and poor 11, she chooses Hopper as, and she, she works so hard. Like, I'm going to cry. She works so hard on her little clay statue of, of her adoptive dad and is like super passionate. And that bitch yeah. who made fun of her is like, I'm sorry, but I really thought like, maybe I just don't understand the instructions, but I really thought this is supposed to be a person from history. And she's like, Eleven's crying. Anyway, it was, if you've ever experienced that in your life, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Fast forward the scene. Cause it's brutal. Oh yeah. It, well, and that whole scene, the, the whole episode, because there's that. And then she gets, tripped and drops all of her stuff and like walking like uh, outside and like they're all making fun of her and she has that moment where she sticks her hand out and I'm like yes. oh she's gonna use her power she's gonna use the force and like then nothing happens and I was like oh no her power is still on her back that sucks and like they all make fun of her and like and then like they perform that stunt at the roller rink and like totally embarrass her and like I know it's not right to cheer on assault However, 
However, <laughs> there was a certain amount of joy I took from watching her smash that girl's face open with a roller skate. It was amazing. And what was super cute was all of her friends in the van going back home. They're like, it, what were they saying? They were like cheering for her and trying to make her feel better because she's so upset about having done this. Eleven is. And they're like, you know, it'll it'll heal. It's 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 fine, you know. It was super well, cute that they were trying to really, cheer up. It wasn't hard plastic, you know, but it wasn't soft right. plastic. Like they're like trying to justify it. And yet, if you've ever gone roller skating, you know what heft there is in a roller skate that you get that that you rent. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. So they're in California. We've got the other kids in Hawkins, and the kids in Hawkins are dealing with Vecna because the, he is scary. Um, our our one um, let me pull up his name real quick because you've got our crew um, that we've been watching since season one. Unfortunately, Dustin Lucas. Yeah. Um, as yeah, Dustin Lucas, Mike. Well. Um, Though, and well, now we've got yeah, and Will Will's in California, so is Eleven. But then you've also got Max, who got introduced in season three. Um, Lucas, like happens in real life when you get in high school, Lucas starts playing basketball, and he kind of gets divided from the rest of the group. And it, it's, I love that they they hit on these things, these things that we all experienced. You know, like you have this friend all through high school, you know, all through middle school, and then in high school you have different passions and you go different ways. And like, sometimes you feel torn between these two things because he's still playing D&D with them, but he had to choose between D&D and the state championship for basketball. And like, what a tough choice that had to be. But at the same time, like he ends up making the game winning shot and like, he had to feel so bad because his friends just did not give a shit at all. Like, Well, they they did, but in the end they made their choice. Well, And yeah. I don't blame either party. That's such good story writing when- Oh yeah, you, nobody's at they, fault, yeah. Right. And they just made their choices and they were not together simply because of who they are. Yeah. And they could have made no other choice in that situation. Yeah. But yeah, there was a little bit of heartbreak there when um, after the game, the Dungeons and Dragons game, he, Lucas sees his friends yeah. celebrating their win and he's celebrating his win with his new friends and they can't, they're not celebrating together. And you can see that sadness. I do love that they brought in Lucas's little sister though, as like the fill in. <laughs> They brought in Erica and Erica just like mops the floor. She knows exactly what she is. And I, I just, I love her character because she's so no nonsense the whole time. And yeah, that was, that was fantastic. And the way they defeated Vecna, um, mind you, the D and D Vecna, not our main villain in the story Vecna was super satisfying. I thought that was really, really cool. They've named all the villains. Yeah. Because they're all, all the creatures. creatures. Yeah. Yeah. How cool is that? Yeah, it's 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 a loving tribute to D and D, but also they're doing a really awesome thing that I think a lot of people forgot is D and D and D was demonized big time in the eighties. It was bad because it was dungeons and dragons, and this is Satanists and oh god, magic. Yeah, same reaction that a lot of people had to Harry Potter. Yeah, but towards D and D, and even more so because it seemed to be so much more violent, and there and people assumed because it wasn't marketed as something that had moral um, goodness in it. It was, it was exciting and sexy because of all of the fantastic Tolkien characters. Yeah. And so 
while a lot of people enjoyed Harry Potter and appreciated the educational value in it, no one appreciated the educational value of D&D, unfortunately. No, and like in retrospect, if you look at um, video games, for example, a lot of the modern video games that we love now are based on or designed on like the framework of D&D. So like I use one of my favorite games of all time, uh, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. And that is a D20 system. Like, hey, this is the lightsaber that I have. This is the crystal that I've added to it. This is this extra force power that I've had. And that determines how powerful the hits are that you have against your enemy. And same thing, vice versa. Like so many games are based on this. And like so much creative storytelling is done in a D&D campaign. And like, I'm, I'm never going to be against people being creative. And like to think of all these kids that played this and came up with these creative things. And like people that do it now, like I was watching David Harbour was talking in an interview, him and Winona Ryder were talking about um, like playing D&D, like as they were growing up. And I was like, Winona Ryder, like the it girl of the eighties was playing D&D. That's so cool. Like it's, it's awesome seeing that. Like think of um, uh, Henry Cavill, Superman slash um, the main character from the Witcher. Um, he said that he almost missed the casting call that he got to be Superman because he was in the middle of a raid on uh, World of Warcraft. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like all of these things are based on D&D and, and like it's getting its its heyday and it's, it's fantastic. But there was definitely a segregation of school society. Like I was yeah. never invited to play and there was an underlying idea that I wasn't one of the people who did it. So I didn't even think to invite myself to discover it. Um, I was in theater, which you would think, you would think yeah, exactly. like we would be playing that stuff backstage between cues. Like it's just such a natural progression, but I never had the beautiful opportunity. So to see them do it in the show, like actually play it out, it was fascinating to me, oh, yeah. especially with Erica and like, they were so inclusive in those moments. Mm -hmm. That's, and that speaks to what I had mentioned earlier with the way that it takes these 80s aesthetics, but also mashes them up with some like contemporary things. Like inclusivity is, is so important in this show. And like really in the 80s, it wasn't. But like, we're seeing these character arcs that you did, wouldn't have seen in 80s movies. And like, honestly, like it's one of those nerd street cred things I hate to admit. I've never actually played D&D. &D. That makes me feel better. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. I mean, like different different high schools, you know, like different times, but like we were like in that same age range. And like, why did drama kids not play D&D? &D? Why was there not a crossover there? Like now it's like socially acceptable for all nerddom to like cross pollinate and such, but like back cross, then- Don't say cross pollinate. That doesn't sound- <laughs> Not with high schoolers, right? Yeah, no, you don't want that. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. You got D and D in my drama. No, you got chocolate <laughs> in my peanut butter. Uh, um, we'll we'll kind of catch up on the narrative here real quick, and then we'll give um, the rest of our opinions on this. Um, I love Paul Reiser's character. He's he's such an '80s staple. Like you did this bad thing, but you've got special power. So I'm gonna come and save you. Don't worry about it. We'll make all this go away. Again, how's that gonna go away? Friggin' whatever. All right, fine. Like, but cool. Um, I love that the government's sort of against him, but he's got his own government organization. And then we see Matthew Modine show up again. And like, there's such a weird dynamic with that character because he's Papa, 
And that's what 11 sees him at, but he's not really a good guy, but he's not really a bad guy. And again, this is good storytelling, like complex characters. Characters are not black and white and binary as far as like, they're either this or they're that. There's this gray area, which makes for really, really fun storytelling. And like watching her essentially relive her past was like sad, but also really gratifying. Um, what was your, like, give me kind of your take on this, on this side of the story that we're at. Yeah. So I never, the writing is so good because I never understand where Matthew Modine is necessarily. And it's not for a lack of ability in portraying his character. It's just that gray area of morality tied in with the, the, the framing of the story, because you only get pieces at a time. And so they're drawing out the revelations really, really nicely, but watching her end up making the choice to stay and work on her powers, which is the choice that he wanted her to make. It was, I had so many conflicting feelings and yet I knew that that's what had to happen. I knew she had to stay and face her past, face her demons, figure out what really happened that she was blocking in her memory and then get her powers back. Um, It was just hard to watch and also root for at the same time and seeing how he treated all of those students that were in his, or they weren't students, all those prisoners, all those children that were in his care, like they were well-fed, they had a nurse, they had a bed, they were clean, but they were also learning how to fight each other with their brains. And no matter how well he may have treated them, he also created a climate in which Um, some of the students feel so much power because they're advanced in their training. They attack 11. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's a problem. If you've got a culture problem like that, then you're not a great papa. I'm just saying. Um, Yeah. But I really, as a viewer enjoyed seeing all of that background. I will say that I'm still not used to the CGI that um, de-ages. Like I had a, I'm having a hard time with it in Obi-Wan and I'm having a hard time with it in stranger things just because it breaks my concentration a little bit because it's not always clear, but still the technology is growing and advancing and I appreciate what they're trying to do. That's not just you. You know, Sandy had the exact same issue. Did she? Sandy was having a really hard time understanding what like, what was actually going on with those 11 flashbacks. She's like, wait, is she actually in the facility right now and there's these other kids? I'm like, no, that's a flashback. And she's like, well, how do you know? And I'm like, because she just looked in the mirror and she saw like a little kid version of herself. And she's like, right. oh, I think I get that. And I'm like, yeah, I know it's it's hard to follow. It, it's Well, and it wasn't so much that it was hard to follow. It's that it kept, the, the effects kept venturing into the uncanny valley. Yes, yeah. I had a hard time. So I'm like, I know that's supposed to be little 11. Mm-hmm. However, I'm because they've shown little 11 in previous seasons, because she was little 11, I'm like cross-checking in my brain. I'm like, is that accurate? And so I, I, every yeah. now and then it would take me out of the story. But that's, yeah. you know what? Suspension of disbelief. Yeah. Go with yeah. it. Yeah. And it, so let's introduce our, uh, our main villain. We've oh, my gosh. He now. like, oh, so in his first iteration... Do we, are we we're going to reveal it right we are totally going to reveal it okay Again, so second spoiler alert for this episode if you have not seen this this is the biggest spoiler and i want to just th- state right now before we talk about this spoiler i'm watching this and i 
fucking called this. I you, na- you did I not. It. Yes, I did. You can ask Sandy. I swear to God. I I'm, called you know, this. I'm going to, I'm going to check because I didn't figure it out right away. I knew there was a problem with the guy when he showed up as his initial human self, but I did not call. You know what? If it's true, I don't know why I'm not believing you, Mike. I apologize. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I'm not believing you because I didn't call it, which is such an yeah. egotistical. <laughs> no, I get it. Like, let me be clear though. Okay. I did not call it initially. It took a little okay. bit and I'll tell you when I called it. Okay. I called it when they were escaping and he's like, Oh, I have this tracking chip in my neck. And if you can remove it, then they won't be able to track me. And I paused it. And I was, I looked at Sandy. I was like, I was like, this is X-Men. I was like, that's his, that's an inhibitor chip. I was like, you remove that. And he's going to have his powers. Don't do it. 11. And like Sandy's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, he has powers. I was like, guaranteed. He is, he's 11. I was like, watch. I was like, you know what? I bet you he's zero, zero one. And like, removes the chip and then lo and behold I was like mm, told you like that's amazing because I did not call it then I was like no it's too convoluted for him to get her to this point in order to set her up to to remove that and then he'd be a villain nah it can't be that so good for you good for you I've, I've read too many comic books what can I say so it, they're well they borrowed a trope yeah and it worked and like, oh, it, it worked totally did it's and like once you see it you're kind of like oh cool He's on her side. And then you see how truly brutal he is. He was. Say, yeah. Man. And like. I and also, her realization. Yeah. Like when she has to make her choice after. Okay. So he helps her escape. And then she removes the inhibitor chip as a sign of goodwill since he's helping her to escape. He defends her against the guards who have found them. And then he says, go to your room. We'll escape in a minute. And he fucking kills everybody except for Matthew Modine. And she leaves her room and is walking through. And so these flashbacks that she's having of all of these dead children and she thought she had killed them. Mm-hmm. No, no. It was pre-Vecna. Yep. It was 001. It was it was Anakin Vecna. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it was. <laughs> Yeah, it was totally it was. an Anakin Skywalker moment. Like, yeah. you're watching this and you're kind of rooting for him for a second. And then you're like, hang on, hang on, hold up. And then she has yeah. to, you watch her make the decision whether or not to go along with him because he's not truly pissed at her for seeing everything. Yeah. And she has to make the decision whether to go with him or not. And watching that happen was really cool. And it yeah. also adds more meaning to her, um, that her and her friends, their common theme of friends don't lie. Yeah. And makes sense why that resonated with her so fast why in the first season. So bad when there's even like a white lie, like, yeah, it, why it's so important to her. And like, now that I've made the Anakin Skywalker reference, like I'm just throwing, like I'm having all of these other like threads that tie together that he is Anakin, but now he's Darth Vader. Like, because yes, he is. when he gets thrown into the upside down, which again, this poor little girl doesn't know what she's doing. She just wants him to go away. That's all I'm, I guarantee, like in her brain, that's all she's thinking. So they literally make him go away into another dimension. And when he goes there, what happens? He gets burned and scarred and disfigured, just like Anakin Skywalker. Just saying. Like, but I, I love these mashups that they're doing all of these eighties tropes. Cause that was when we found out that Darth Vader was Anakin Skywalker. There was the dude inside that suit was in the eighties was an empire strikes back. I don't know why I didn't make that reference, but like my mind is reeling right now. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. I'm having a moment. I'm so sorry because literally the world that she throws him in looks like that lava place. Mm -hmm. I know there's a name for that planet. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. The lava place. The lava place. Um, Wow. And maybe it was the tentacles that made Darth Vader does not have tentacles. Vecna does. Yeah. And that may be what, what stopped me from making that brilliant connection. It can't be Vader because Vader doesn't have tentacles. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, that's so creepy though. His tentacles that reach out everywhere oh, and then yeah. like that gooey noise when they enter him yeah. so he can see what's happening. Like, oh, Like you're sticking a spoon into a jar of jelly. Yeah. That's probably what the Foley artist did. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which is probably a lot of fun. Um, but okay. So the tie together with this, like how does this tie together to the Hawkins, right? So on the other side of this, you've got our kids. We already talked about Dustin and we talked about Lucas. We talked about Mike. We talked about Max, which it's going to be somewhat hard to cram all of this into an hour episode. So I'm going to try to give you the quick, the cliff notes here, but like Max is dealing with some serious, like post-traumatic stress disorder from the death of her brother in season three. And like, she's become really distant and she's not talking to Lucas again, another great eighties trope. Nobody was mentally healthy in the 80s no she's just repressing her trauma which makes her a target for vecna but they start doing research to try to figure out who this vecna guy is because max almost gets taken by him but they save her and i love what they save her with they save her with music it was was amazing yes and have you listened to that whole um side of the tape that she i'm sorry i'm skipping and i'm interrupting um the whole side of the kate bush tape yeah that she listens to I haven't listened to it. What, it, what is, so, is there significance to it? Uh, your homework, dear listener, is to go home and watch the entire, or watch, listen to the entire album because it says so much about Max's character that that's her favorite. It's trippy stuff. And there's one that's like, wake up, wake up. And it's about waking up the witch inside you. But she, but Kate has taken all of these people who say, wake up, wake up. And so that's what she's listening to. The whole time she's trying to keep herself safe. That's it was amazing. Did you see that 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 song is now like it's the top song on the Billboard list right now? Running up that hill, yeah, yeah. I'm so happy for. Her. I'm glad that I'm glad that Kate Bush is getting this uh, this sort of recognition that she deserves. Um, so yeah, Max is dealing with this. They save her from Vecna um, because of music, but then she starts telling them everything that they saw, and they start putting pieces together. And they're like, well, we think Vecna is this guy who was a murderer back in the 80s and or not, not back in the 80s, back in like the 60s, right? First off, shout out to Robert England, Freddy Krueger himself, who played the the father who's in the insane asylum. Um, oh my gosh. I'm this is what I'm here for. I'm here to blow your mind with all these things. <laughs> oh my gosh, he was so good. I Wasn't didn't he? recognize him. Yeah. I also was so uh, that's your that's, your brain's amazing. I'm I'm, it's really not because it's, it's really annoying. And Sandy gets mad at me because I will be watching something and I'll grab my phone. And she's like, oh, can't you stay off your phone for five minutes? And I'm like, yes, I can, but I have to know who that actor is. It looks familiar. <laughs> and like, I'll look it up and I'm like, fuck, it's Robert England. And like, it's the same thing with um, our, our, our stalwart older kids who it's funny. They're supposed to be night, like 17 and 18 years old. And they're all like almost 30. And that makes me laugh. Um, which is again, is an eighties thing. Like yes, 90, it is. Yeah. Like Beverly Hills, 90210. They're all playing like 17 and 18 year old kids and they're all like almost 30, but like we've got Steve, we've got Nancy, we've got Robin who Robin, there are so many scenes in this, um, where Robin looks exactly like her mom and her dad. Cause she's the 
daughter of Uma Thurman and Ethan Hawke. And I know this blew your mind when I told you this too, but like they go to investigate and like you find out that like he wasn't the murderer. He was like the house is possessed and haunted. Again, another great like poltergeist reference, another 80s trope. But that reveal that you find out that Vecna was the little boy. Yeah, well, we find that out when Nancy. Yeah. The the cliffhanger that they left us on. So yeah. unfair. Yeah. Um, all of the older kids were in the upside down. We don't have time to go into all the details about how they all jumped in and almost died. And yeah. Anyway, um, Nancy, just before they get pulled up poltergeist style back into the right side up, yeah. um, she's taken over by Vecna. And so you see her eyes fluttering and everything as, as they're about to escape the upside down. And she's, she finds out who the kid was. Because Vecna gives one of those villain speeches where it's like, I'm going to tell you my whole entire plan, Mr. Bond, before I kill you. Yeah. <laughs> and like, but like the way it was done, because he's doing it while he's also explaining to Eleven. And like, it was just like, holy shit. Like, it was so incredible because like, I literally thought that it was somehow like the upside down had gotten into the other world. Right. Mm. And it just turns out that this kid was really, really disturbed. And like, he was the first experiment that Papa worked on. And he was trying to use that for MK Ultra, that government program, trying to teach people how to use telepathy to, as a weapon. And like, just watching him kill his own mother and his sister and then drive his father insane. But then he had that seizure because he had been doing it too long. Like, and then he gets put in that, hospital geez louise it, it's just so intense but like wow like it's it's leading up to something amazing for this finale and like i'm trying to find fault in this at some point other than like i feel like we didn't get enough will i want more will like i feel like that kid has been traumatized and like something's going on with him but he's just been like this ancillary character in this and like i want more from will byers like so one of the things that they focused on a lot and this is relevant my brain is going in a loop-de-loop. -loop. We're all doing um, the ADHD thing. It's fine. Right? Isn't it yeah. fun? Um, so one of the things you were talking about, how it's modern storytelling mixed in with 80s tropes, they're talking about LGBTQ life in the 80s. So Robin is a lesbian. And um, since this is also Pride Month, a shout out to all the elders in the LGBTQIA plus community who dealt with the fact that you couldn't tell anyone. Yeah even in high school. So you had to hide your crush. And so she's, while being best friends with Steve is telling him all about her crush. So the reason I bring this up about Will is I think, I think he's gay and I think yeah. he's in love with Mike. I've That's my that theory. theory. I've heard that theory elsewhere. Um, I don't, I'm not opposed to it, obviously, like in any way, shape or form. I just haven't seen it, but I also haven't really been looking for it either. Yeah. Um, because like from my perspective, it was like, I, I didn't think of it so much as a crush. I felt that it was just like this, you were my best friend and now yeah. we never talk because you're in love with Eleven and like, I'm feeling slighted. I feel like a third wheel all the time. Like that's how I took it. But I could see where that would be him being in love with Mike as well. Cause like, there is a fine line between like, just like um, friendly love and like romantic love like it's platonic yeah. was the word I was looking for like because I'm a grown-up and I can use grown-up words um, <laughs> so yeah I could see it 
I, I mean, it, it, it just poor Will, Jesus Christ, this kid, like, know. yeah, he's, he's just had trauma after trauma after trauma. And then like, Hey, let's move to California and take all of your friends away from you. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, Hey, by the way, I don't know how I feel about how they're treating Joyce. I feel like one criticism I have yeah. is that the, I think they've made her a caricature of herself in yeah. this season. Yeah. And I'm hoping, um, and part of it is they just don't have time to give all of the characters the time they deserve. And that could be part of it, but she's very, Big show, yeah. she's super hyper. Um, and it, I think they were trying to make some comic relief in her story, trying to rescue Hopper from Russia. Along with what's his face, the the oh, Jew, fucking the Murray. Jewish guy who can he do is, karate and the, just, just watching Murray just go black belt on people is so great. He's amazing, and he's got like, I don't. He's he's endearing, and he do yeah. they do a really good job of developing him even more. Yeah. Um, but I'm really hoping they fix the writing for Joyce, and it may be that she's already done her arc, and they don't know how to further the story without hopper being with her but we'll like, see they made a really good point in season three like when hopper is like trying to like court her basically and like try to date her he was a dick to her like he was it was like it was borderline abusive like the way he treated her and like i would say that like from the contemporary like prism yes i would say from the 80s prism like that was pretty standard and like it doesn't make it right but like it was there were definitely times that he was just like a total dick to her for no reason. And you're just like, all right, why don't you just pull her pigtails while you're at it, man? Like it, 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 you're not in kindergarten anymore, but again, well, emotionally stunted eighties, like those. Yeah. The emotional toolbox that guys had in the eighties was not great. Yeah. So yeah. we've worked really hard to improve our culture. We have making progress. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that this is going to need a second episode. Um, we might even need a third episode because when you break this down, 13 hours of content and we tried to cram it all into an hour and we got pretty close, but like, I think that we're going to have to have a second episode and potentially a third episode for this as well. Yeah. Cause we barely, we, we just mentioned Russia. We didn't talk in depth about it. No, we didn't. We didn't get into Russia at all. Or, or much about um, D&D master. What's yeah, his name? That's that that's an important part of this as well eddie he's like my favorite new character and i can't remember his name yeah eddie thank you yeah you're welcome pretty sure yeah eddie eddie munson which is funny because like eddie munster is what i think of yeah immediately that's what i'm thinking too yeah it's i'm really looking forward to because they're they're really playing up that i mean we got a few more minutes here so like let's talk about eddie um I actually thought another perfect example of an 80s trope. He was the leader of the D&D, the Hellfire Club, which is a great X-Men reference, by the way. Um, he was a dick when they, were in the, um, when they were in the cafeteria. And I was like, I don't like this dude at all. But then as we learn more about him, you learn why he is the way he is. You understand that he's kind of a sensitive cat. And you're like, all right, okay. Again, true to the 80s. Like everybody was a dick in the 80s. <laughs> like- yeah, we were. It was yeah. a cutthroat world in high school. It was, man. And like, we're just now trying to get over all of that. Um, it, it's, it's been, I, I like his character. I like that he's the scapegoat. I like that they just immediately assume he's the one that killed the cheerleader uh, and that the basketball players have become like the angry mob, the angry torch wielding mob. Um, I can't wait to see how Lucas is going to respond to that. 
like I, I feel like they're going to start closing in on his friends and Lucas is going to have to make a really tough choice. Well, he did. He did make a choice because yes, he, he ditched them. He um, hid, hid evidence from his basketball friends and That's ditched right. them. Yeah. Yeah. And they just figured out that he's sticking with the D&D friends. And I'm terrified to see what they're going to do. Yeah. Hey, 80s, um, the parents... When they finally find out that all of their children are missing, they're like asking each other, do you know where they are? Do you know where they are? No one knew where their kids were because we were told to leave the house and come back at dinner. Get out and come back before the sun goes down. And we all had keys either around our necks or under a stone in the front garden. Yeah. Um, Don't bother us. Get out of the house. Now. Yeah. Yes. Because that yes. was how we were supposed to grow. And we had adventures and like yeah. memories. Anyway. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, that's that's just how it was. Yeah, I mean, I, I was joking with Jax the other day. Um, I was like, dude, I used to come home alone after school when I was ten. I was like, I don't think that's legal. However, there I was making English muffin pizzas for myself at like ten years old in the toaster oven. Like that's that's just the way it was in the eighties and nineties, man. Like it, it's so. I and when people are like, I can't believe they just let these kids run wild. I'm like, that's what you did. Totally true. All of it, all of it is so sincere to the, to the eighties culture. So oh, yeah. don't let that pull you out of the story because that's how life was, okay. including right down to Eddie being a, like a third year senior in high school yes, and being um, so jaded and so cynical as he describes himself and yet being such a teddy bear, like when the cheerle cheerleaders come into him right before he dies and he sees that she's like genuinely freaked out. He's like really concerned. He also thinks she's hot. So there's some of that too, but like, he's not a total douche. He's a human being, but yeah. in high school, we were all, and in middle school and elementary, we were all seen according to the fronts we put up and no one guessed there was anything more. Yeah. Yeah, it's they're doing a really, really good job with that. Um, the whole Hopper Russia thing, we'll touch on that and then we'll go ahead and wrap up. Um, I, I wanted more. I wanted to know like how he got there. Like, cause they, they're just like, oh, it's a, a portal. Okay, I guess. Like they have a freaking Demogorgon like on a chain, basically. Like, how did you guys capture this? Like, and they're just trying to, they just use it to kill prisoners. Like that just seems like, like, what else are you going to use this thing for? So, like, we haven't gotten, like, the big pictures to the Russians. But I think that that fits with the 80s. Again, like, the Russians were just this nebulous bad guy. Like, Well, and that's what they are now. I know the yeah. Duffer brothers didn't know that Russia was going to invade Ukraine yeah. right when we're, when, when we're watching this stuff. But it seems so, like, they're, they're almost a, a 2D character, the Russians, in this. However, yeah. like, our current events don't help that, like just the bad guy yeah yeah it's, it's worked well um i I've, I've enjoyed what they're doing like honestly of all the storylines like the hopper one is my other one i'm least interested in like i'm interested in all of the other stuff going on with the kids and like the hopper one is just like all right pay this off so that they he gets home and he can see 11 again because i want 11 to have a dad and i want her to be happy because right. this poor girl's had so much trauma in her life just let her hug hopper for fuck's sake and like let her have a family like yeah, but the Last Supper was, I enjoyed, like all, when they were, when he was, after the betrayal, no, not yeah. the betrayal, after he gets caught, after trying to escape, yeah. and he and his 
Russian guard friend are in jail. Like that's when I started to get interested in it and not necessarily yes. because of Hopper, but because of his friend, the guard yes. who is now in trouble. But then when he's like showing, when Hopper's showing off his knowledge about what they're going to face, I was like, Ooh, now I'm super interested. And when he's like, he pulls out the liquor he's going to set on fire when they're, um, when they release the, the demigorgon, I was like, I'm ready for this. I'm here yeah. for this, but you're right. Until that point, it wasn't that interesting. No, it, it was just, yeah, it was just a thing. And like the most interesting part about it was Murray. Just like, cause you hear him, he's like, I'm a black belt. And you figure he's just going to get his ass kicked. And then you're just like, oh no, he's a badass. And like, it's so, is it implausible or unplausible? I'm trying to- Implausible. It's so implausible watching this doofus kick Russian ass. But And he's like delighted. <laughs> like he realizes he succeeds and he's like, oh, I'm amazing. And then yeah. he just relishes every moment of it. Yeah, just Bruce Lee and just people like just like like one inch punching cats in the face. Yeah, it's just it's fantastic. I'm enjoying I'm really enjoying that, like seeing him because he's such an over the top character. And like to add that extra level to it is just like it's just outstanding. Um, there's a lot to unpack, as you've seen. Uh, we tried to cram it all into an hour, but we'll have more. We might even see if we can get some more of our GGR friends to have this conversation with us because a four-hour finale, a two-part four-hour finale is going to be something. So um, thank you all for tuning in. A uh, big thanks to Mariah B. Tord for being my uh, my wingman in, or wing person, as it were, uh, in this um, conversation that we had about Stranger Things Season 4. Uh, we might even have to go back and do a rewatch and have a conversation about this show at large because, again, we, we underserved a very crucial part of our pop culture uh, identity in the last like six, uh, like six years as this show has been on because it has been super influential. So thank you all for listening. Thank you all for subscribing, for being part of what we do here at The Great Geek Refuge. And remember, together, there are no heights that we can't reach. Thank you for listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Make sure you check out our website, greatgeekrefuge.com for all of our awesome articles and wonderful podcasts. This has been Pirate Radio Network production, Juice Bags. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, boy!